Well, today we're in part three of our new series that we're, we've called Rooted. And we're talking about digging our roots deeper and deeper into the Lord Jesus Christ this fall. And uh, all of our life groups are studying this. And this is just part three in our series. And today I want to talk with you about something that Jesus said that we all have to deal with. And that's this thing of suffering. And you're about now you're saying, Pastor, I came for an encouraging message. <laughs> but Jesus said we'll all have to deal with suffering. Suffering over some kind of loss, suffering over some kind of hurtful incident, suffering over multiple troubles that hit all at once. We all have to go through that kind of stuff. Jesus said it this way. Here it is. In this world, you will have trouble. And you notice he didn't say, in this world, maybe you'll have some troubles. He said it clearly, just like Jesus does, puts it right out there the way it is. In this world, you will have trouble. In other words, there's no way to get around having trouble, all kinds of them, in this world. And troubles come to both Christians and non-Christians. Not one of us is exempt. Now, there is another world where there will be no suffering, and that is called heaven. But while we're here on earth, there's going to be different kinds of troubles. There's going to be different levels of troubles, different kinds of suffering, different levels of suffering. And heaven is coming, but we're not there yet. So until we get there, you and I have to deal with the troubles and the suffering that comes with living here. Now, Paul says this about God. He says, you, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Now, do you know that God says that? Did you know that God says that? He knows about each one of your troubles. He collects your tears in a bottle. He knows how many tears you have shed, just like the Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Do you know that he even records every tear that you shed in his book? Why would God, why would Almighty God do that? It's because he loves you. He loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. He loves you. And he does it because he's also going to reward you for staying faithful to him through all the troubles and through all the tears and through all the sufferings that you endure in this world. The Bible says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Folks, God loves you. And he's got a, a better world waiting for you. It's called heaven. What, one better than you can ever imagine. That is ahead of you and me. But until you get there, what do you do to get through the troubles, to get through the sufferings in this world? Here's the big question on the screen. When you are suffering, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? <laughs> what do you do? There's not one thing you can do to change your situation. What do you do? Well, you do what Paul did. He said this, I can do all things through him, talking about God, who gives me, here's, here it is, 
strength. There's a strength that our God gives that's available to every one of us that is beyond any strength that you've ever experienced. So Paul, going through all the things that he went through, jail, prison, shipwreck, he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He's saying that he learned that he could do all things, even go through all the troubles and the sufferings that came his way by relying on one thing, and that is the strength that God gives. You know, and that's something that Shirley and I also learned in the early days of our marriage, in the early days of our ministry. Uh, in 1982, Shirley and I, that's an 80s look, amen? <laughs> I mean, we, we were, we've got it dialed in in the 80s right there. Uh, look at, yeah, and I had a dark beard back then, and now it's all gray. Uh, but in 1982, um, Shirley and I were looking good. <laughs> And we were associate pastors in a church in Kansas, enjoying our lives, enjoying our ministry, enjoying our, our two-year-old son, and, and now we were pregnant with child number two. But in 1982, we experienced a kind of suffering that we'd never experienced before. We miscarried child number two at four and a half months, and not a thing we could do. Couldn't change the situation. So 1983 came, and we were still enjoying our lives, still enjoying our ministry, and, and yet we were still mourning, still grieving. We were still wanting another child, and in 1983, we became pregnant with child number three. But we also miscarried child number three also at four and a half months. And after that miscarriage, Shirley hemorrhaged so badly, they rushed her into surgery and she almost died at that point. And then soon after that, we were told that we could not have any more children, that there was nothing we could do, our family was complete, no more kids. And at that point, we entered into an even deeper level of suffering. And at that point, we cried out to God and said, God, we've dedicated our lives to you. We're seeking you. We're following you. We're, we're serving you with all of our hearts. Why us? And we cried out to God. And at the very same time, we had to continue on preaching and teaching and caring for other people who were going through troubles and suffering. And yet we'd show up to the church and we'd lead and serve others, even though our emotions were shot. And we were suffering. And at the same time, our church there in Kansas asked the senior pastor to resign, and they asked me to take over. <laughs> me, I'm shot. <laughs> I'm suffering, and they asked me to take over as senior pastor. And yet at that time, I was feeling God calling me to leave that church and start a new church someday. And at the same time, I was being asked to come pastor a church here in Whittier, California. So beyond going through a personal suffering time, we were an incredibly confusing and hard ministry time. So in 1983, Shirley and I were suffering. We were dealing with an unknown future concerning children and family and ministry. Many of our lives were a mess, and there wasn't a thing we could do. Yet we just kept praying to God and serving God even though we were stuck in pain for an entire year. Then suddenly in 1984, we were blessed with a new pregnancy, child number four. 
And we were blessed, but we were nervous. I mean, we just miscarried two other children. And the same year, we were also blessed with a clear direction to go ahead and come and move to California and pastor a church in Whittier. So we moved. And then we were blessed with a beautiful baby girl named Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pastor Sherry up there in the blue dress, all right? That's the way she used to look. And... uh, And then 18 months later, we were blessed with another beautiful baby girl named Leanne in the red dress. So there we were. We're now in California. It's 1986. I've been pastoring this church for a little over a year in Whittier. We were enjoying family and ministry, and suddenly I lost 50% of the hearing in my left ear. And people were getting upset because we'd be in the courtyard in fellowship time, and they'd walk by and say, Hi, Pastor Larry. And I didn't ever hear them. And they thought I was being rude. And who's this new young pastor from Kansas? And he won't even talk to me. And lost, lost all that vocal mid-range where all of our voices tend to speak. And I lost that. And, and, and I had to have surgery to correct it. But beyond that, we had just moved away from all of our family in the Midwest I was stretched with my new family. It was my first senior pastor in a new state, in a new culture. We were swimming in debt due to changing states and changing tax structures. And suddenly I was dealing with crippling anxiety and panic attacks. And again at that point, I cried out to God and said, God, I've dedicated my life to you. I'm serving you, God. What's up? Why Why is this happening to me? And once again, I was suffering and I was stranded and there wasn't a thing I could do to change it. But listen really close now. Even in the midst of that suffering, God strengthened me. He gave me a strength beyond my own, real strength. He used me. He gave success to me in that church. God displayed his power in me and through me. God used those times to teach me to rely on him, not just my own abilities. And God blessed me with a more intimate relationship with him. And once I got to that point, and I was so listening to God, that's when he called me to come start this church. And I was saying, God, I'm still having panic attacks. I can hardly get on stage. God, you've called me to do this, but I don't know if I can start a new church from scratch. God, you got to help me. But today, looking back, I can honestly say that all of the pain and all of the loss and all of the questions was worth it because it taught me to persevere. It taught me to be faithful to God no matter what. And it took me to a place where I learned to better hear my Lord's voice and to better experience his presence and his power working in me and through me. And without that, I would have not been ready to start this church. You see, God allowing me to suffer and his choosing to not remove all my pain brought more blessings into my life than I ever could have imagined. That God didn't change my situations, but the thing he did change was that he moved me into a new living arrangement with him. 
He moved me so very close to him. And I moved close to him. And I would not trade the relationship I have with God for anything in this world. He's so very present in me. He's with me in every situation. He meets with me when I, when I take the time to sit and listen. He talks with me. He walks with me. He enables me. He uses me. So listen really close. Every ounce of pain is worth being in this kind of relationship with God. I have learned that I can do all things through Christ who is in me and who is with me because of the strength that he gives me. Strength far beyond my own. It comes from his hand. And going through those things early in our marriage and ministry prepared me and Shirley for more troubles to come. Troubles to come, and many of you have experienced this, like the death of my dad and the death of her mom. Experiences like troubles coming and hearing Shirley say when I was on a mission trip 7,000 miles away from her, Larry, I've got thyroid cancer. Troubles like after beating that cancer, hearing doctors say three years later, your wife has stage four lung cancer. I'm saying, what? She's never smoked in her life. How could this be? It's as big as your fist, Larry. She's got stage four lung cancer. Troubles like two years of fighting that cancer and hearing the doctors say, there's nothing else we can do. I said, can you keep her comfortable? Yes. And then when her suffering ended, she took her last breath. Me and the kids said, go be with Jesus. My suffering went to a deeper level than I've ever experienced. My physical health, my emotional health took a dive. And there were moments I literally thought I was going to die. So the question is, what do you do when troubles like that and many other kinds of troubles hit your life? Again, when you are suffering, what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? Well, throughout history, followers of God have also had things go wrong. Followers of God have also had troubles hit them, and they've suffered. Throughout history, people have gone to God and asked him, what's the deal? What's going on? And we can learn from them. So this morning, I'd like us to look at John chapter 9, and the disciples see Jesus dealing with a man who has trouble. And they said to Jesus, what's the deal with this man? They come across a blind man, and they ask Jesus, why is he having to go through this? What, what's the reason for all of this? Look at this on the screen. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. If you have your outlines out, write this down. In times of suffering, when, when your troubles hit, ask God to explain. He may not give you the answer that you want him to give you, but go to God and ask him to explain. Once again, the Bible says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind? His, his disciple said, what's causing this guy's suffering? Who's to blame for his suffering? Why is this happening to him? And I want you to know this morning, it's, it's okay to ask God those kinds of questions. He can handle it. He sees what you're going through. He sees the tears that are flowing. He sees the loneliness, the hurt. And it's okay to ask those questions. But notice what they were focusing on. Immediately they were focusing on what was wrong in this man's life. Just like we focus on what's wrong in our lives. And that's a pretty natural thing to do, to focus on what's wrong. And I've got to admit, I, I failed to focus on the good when I was going through the bad. I failed to focus on the beautiful children God had finally given us. I failed to focus on those who were responding to my ministry and accepting Christ as their Savior and the, the growing church. I failed to, to focus on the place that God had placed me to minister and the great strong and wife partner in ministry had given to me. And here the disciples were, like me, focused on what was wrong, and they asked Jesus to explain who caused it, who sinned. And Jesus said, nobody, nobody sinned. He said, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's like he's saying, you guys are focused only on what's wrong. But this happened so that the world can see God working in him. So the world can see something very good and right, the works of God in and through this man in spite of his blindness. This happens so the works of God might be displayed in him. So write this down. In times of suffering, in times of, of trouble to hit your life, expect God's works to be displayed in you and through you. Expect people to see God in you and working through you in spite of your troubles. Look at this scripture again. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So instead of being focused on what's wrong maybe in your finances, instead of being focused on what's wrong maybe in your marriage, instead of being so focused on what's wrong in your health, be focused on God being on the display in you so the world around you can see your loving and powerful God carrying you. Now, it's completely possible that God is on display in your situation, but you don't even notice it. But the world around you is seeing him big time being displayed in your life. I'll never forget that you know, every three weeks we were running to the city of hope for chemo treatments and constantly in contact with doctors and nurses. And we didn't 
think we are just being anything different or special. And yet, trip after trip, these nurses and these doctors would comment and say, how are you dealing with this like you're dealing with this? Tell me about your faith. How are you functioning through this? And right after Shirley passed, doctors and nurses came in and saw the whole family. Yeah, there's tears flowing, but we're praying. We know where Shirley has gone. And they couldn't fathom. They said, we have never seen family like this. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> and yeah, we're okay. And sometimes you don't even notice that God is being displayed and people are seeing God working in you and God empowering you and God carrying you. At one point, I thought that losing two babies and having panic attacks were the worst troubles I could ever have. Wrong. <laughs> and I, I even said one time, God, you've called me to announce babies when they're born and dedicate babies. How can I do that with genuine joy when I've just lost two? God, you've called me to stand in front of people and preach your word. How can I do that with panic attacks? But God taught me through all of that to focus on him. God taught me to lean on him. God used all that to help me focus on all that is right and not just on what's wrong. God used all that to help me focus on the fact that he'll bring some good out of all the bad things that come. So write this down. In times of suffering, trust God to produce good things. Out of your troubles, God promises to bring something good. We don't know the timing. We don't know what it'll be. But he promises to bring something good. And that's what he did in my life. And that's what he'll do in your life. God has used my hurt over lost children to minister to families in the same situation multiple times over the years. God has used my physical challenge to minister to people in the same situation. God has used my panic attacks to minister to people dealing with the same thing. And God is using my loss of Shirley to do good things in me, in my kids and in many, many others. So listen, God has allowed me in the past, and he's allowing me today to experience his personal power, his personal touch, his personal enabling in and through all of the troubles. And God's people said, amen. That's who our God is. Folks, there is a strength beyond your own. It comes from God alone. Now look at what Jesus did. He, Jesus, spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, put it on the man's eyes, and he said, go, he told them. Wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now in this passage of Scripture, the obvious wrong, the obvious trouble and suffering in the blind man's life was healed. God fixed it. And the work of God was displayed for everyone to see. But before he was physically healed, what if God's works were already being displayed in this man's life? And we aren't told in the Bible, but what if this man's trouble had caused him to start seeking 
and following God? What if this man's trouble, even though he was there since birth, he was doing all he could to serve God in spite of his trouble? What if God's works were already on display in his attitude, in his talk, in his walk, in his heart for others, in the midst of the troubles of his life? And so I want to ask this question. What could it do in other people's lives if they saw you? Focusing on what is right in your life instead of what's wrong. Could it inspire others to seek and draw close to God just because they can, they can see the strength of God that he's giving you? They can see the, the power of God that he's giving you. I believe so. In fact, I know so. They see your troubles still going on, but they see that God is present in your life, giving you peace and strength and power. So sometimes God says, I know this hurts. I see your tears. I'm recording them all. And I know it has the potential of breaking your heart. I know this has the potential of what you're going through to make you worry and lose sleep, to make your knees buckle under the pressure. But I, God, will be on display. And I'll make something right come from your wrongs. I, your God, love you, and I'll be on display, and people will see it. And I'll make something good come from your trouble. So instead of focusing on what is wrong, focus on what is right. And then trust God to make the wrongs okay. Trust God to make something beautiful come from what's terrible. Trust God to make something good come from your bads. Once again, the Bible says, no eye has seen, that means not one ever, no ear has heard, none ever, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's called heaven, amen? And God also has some wonderful things prepared right here and now for you, even though you might be in the midst of some trouble. But he's also got heaven waiting for you. So in your times of suffering, ask God to explain. That's okay. Expect God and his works to be displayed in you and through you. Trust God to produce some good things in you and through you in your times of suffering. And he will enable you to walk. He'll enable you to go on. And he'll give you the strength to do it day by day, even getting up and preaching. Amen? He'll give it to you, a strength far beyond your own, from his hand to your heart. Would you pray with me? Father, you may want to pray this in your heart as I pray it. I may not understand your plan. I may not understand what you're doing in me or what you want to do through me. But today, I commit to trust your plan 
when troubles come and cause suffering. I commit to trust you to cause good things to come from bad things. And in spite of the troubles that come, I will just keep pursuing you and trusting you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you never give up on us. You never stop showing your love to us. You've made it clear that in this world we will have trouble. But you're preparing for us a place where there will be no more trouble. So my prayer is that you'd help each person here today to stay faithful, to keep following you no matter what comes, relying on you and your strength, your love and your goodness, knowing that you know what they're going through. Bless them, hold them, help them, keep them, I pray in Jesus' name.